Hello and welcome to the All Terrain Podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. My name is Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way, they'll make four choices and answer four questions. In this episode, I'm joined by Sanjay Marie Green. Sanjay has spent over 20 years working in community transformation across a number of sectors. She's currently the head of community participation for the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. And outside of work, she's also a foster parent. It was wonderful to catch up with Sanjay just last week. So let's jump straight into that conversation. Hello, Sanjay. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am very good. It's lovely to see you. Now, we were talking before we pressed record and you you say it's been a decade since we've seen each other, but I don't believe it. I think it perhaps has been. I stopped working for the Salvation Army in 2010. Gosh, yeah. Um, and I can't remember after that period. I mean, I can barely remember last week. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, but, yes. but working in the same team yeah. has been 11 years nearly. Wow. Well, it is really lovely to see you and lovely to catch up. Tell me and tell everyone listening a little bit about what it is you do now. So I now work for a local authority. Um, I work for Kensington Chelsea Council um, as head of community participation. So my responsibility is mostly split between Grenfell Community Projects. So this is a really interesting week because Monday we commemorated the fourth year of um, Grenfell. Mm. Uh, and uh, there was lots of mourning within that, mm. but there was also lots of pulling together mm. and coming together, um, lots of remembering, lots mm. of mourning. Um, but my day-to-day work is about supporting North Kensington communities to uh, shape and be part of their recovery. Mm. Um, in a in a borough that has had lots of complexities for decades. The other part of my job is uh, community participation, breaking barriers to participation for the whole borough. Mm. Uh, and a large part of that has focused as the COVID engagement lead. Uh, so in a borough that has huge um, wealth disparities and huge um, access um, variants, mm-hmm. trying to make sure that we reach everybody who we need to reach to make sure that they're safe, make sure they've got access mm-hmm. to whatever they need, particularly to food, yeah. um, particularly to for those who are digitally excluded. Um, so looking at isolation and, and new types of vulnerabilities. Um, so that, that's my, my main job, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a foster carer. So I have recently ended my five-year-plus placement for a nearly 20-year-old. Um, so between those two things, they they keep my life very full. Wow, they certainly do. Um, now, we are going on a hypothetical hike, you and I. I'm sure we yeah. went on many walks together when we were trying to plan a Roots event or whatever it was we were doing at the time. <laughs> but this is hypothetical, this one, so it won't just be around Morden or THQ. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a strong start. Um, so where are we walking on our hypothetical hike? Where have you chosen? So I'm going to do my local area. So oh. it would be Tottenham Marshes. Lovely. Um, so I, I'm based in Harringay, love Harringay, mm-hmm. uh, and I live a six minute walk away from one of the entrances to Tottenham Marshes, okay. which has been absolutely like a safe haven, amazing space during COVID. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's now part of my daily rituals Yeah. in terms of just going there for fresh air, um, but also I get to take like a work call or whatever. Yeah. 
whilst you know yeah. I can be on team and I can do that yeah. at the same time yeah. and just try and check my health and well-being and my balance so so yes yeah, so you're you're coming with me there and there's a mixture there of wetlands um, there's a mixture there of marshes um, there's a canal that runs all the way down and will take you into into Hackney in central London and will take you the other way into Chingford um, oh. just a really lovely place I have never been there I, might, I, might, I mean, it's not even that far. I'm sitting here in Essex. I'm thinking it's not even that far. Maybe that's a walk I need to discover for myself as well. Uh, yes. I highly recommend. Yeah, it sounds lovely. <laughs> um, okay, so we're bringing three people with us. It's you, me, and then three others. One living, one dead, one fictional. Who is joining us? Uh, so my person who is dead would be Maya Angelou, mm. um, the writer. Um, she was inspirational to me as a child mm. and as a young person and as a young adult. And, and whatever it is that I am now, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I encounter her and her writings, her autobiographies, mm. her poems, her very consciousness writing mm. on different levels at different mm. stages of my life mm. and have many connections to her in terms of shared lived experience, mm. but also just an inspirational woman who yeah. kept on living her best life. Mm. So whether that was through... Um, you know, separation from her from her family, whether that was through childhood sexual abuse, whether that was through the deep race inequalities mm. and fighting along the greats like Martin Luther King mm. and Malcolm X and, mm. and many others, whether it was honing her skills as somebody who had limited education when she was younger and going to writing clubs and really, you know, knowing that she needs to invest in herself yes. or whether it was like anything from her dancing career. There were just so many layers so many lives and later on in life her journey with um oprah winfrey as them yes. being best friends yeah just a phenomenal woman and my one i don't do regrets but my one thing i can remember being in san francisco for a savage army event actually and thinking uh i really should make an effort to go to this whatever it was it was mm. something in a bookshop and i didn't <gasps> and then a couple of years later she died and yeah. i remember thinking I will never do that again. Mm. I will always live my best life mm -hmm. and do the things that I, I want to do. So I won't spend uh. so long on the other <laughs> Oh, no, so, no. It's, it's, I, I, I didn't know she had a dancing career. Uh, her autobiography is split across seven books. Yeah. Um, so some of her, her careers are quite short, but yeah. they're very intense depending on what book you're your your reason i would describe all of my careers as short but intense uh, I, I think that's basically i think that's what my mum would say about every job i've ever done maybe you'll stick at this one nah nah 15 minutes he's out the door straight away i like it short intense careers are my go-to it's brilliant <laughs> so living and fictional who else is coming so for my living one i think it would have to be my grandmother mm. um COVID, she lives in america mm. And although she would really struggle with the walk, <laughs> um, I do miss her yeah. so much. Oh, I miss yeah. her so much. Um, and she's just been this constant person, whether she's been in England or mm. living in Jamaica mm. or living in America, my, mm. my heritage is Jamaican. Um, yeah, a constant, a, a consistent person in my life. Mm. And she connects me to, like, she gives me a sense of rootedness as a, a, a Jamaican mm heritage person who grew up her childhood and adulthood in Jamaica mm. as a Christian and somebody who has always um, uh, encouraged me in my faith and yeah. encouraged me in my faith development, yeah. someone who's maternal, as somebody who's gone through a lot of sadness mm. and still comes back as, you know, twice recoverer of cancer. She's just a, wow. uh, an amazing 
woman and I and I think she's I think she's great. Oh, she sounds incredible. She she is yeah, she's she's amazing. For my fictional one, I've really really struggled. Fictional one's really interesting. I think I've always said to people because I've never answered these questions. I've always said I think fictional might be the one I struggle with the most. And although people that came to mind, they were all kind of sad stories and I didn't want to be about that today. Probably oh, the one that's most recent because I don't listen or read a lot of fiction either is a woman called Nazreen um she's the main character in a book called B- uh, Brick Lane yeah, uh, yeah written yeah. by Monica Ali and it, it tells the story of a woman who was born in Bangladesh and comes to to London to be married to her husband and what it's like for her as somebody who really um has close affinity with Bangladeshi culture and has two children in London who don't and I could relate to that in a very different way. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it's probably a fictional character would be her because of how much she overcomes and how yes. much she finds herself in her 30s and 40s. Um, but even then, I, I struggled to think, mm, would I want her on my walk? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I am walking with four brilliant people by the sounds of it. I am very excited about this one. And again, I often say I wish we could do this one in real life. It sounds like all of those people would be people I would absolutely love to get to chat to and all the rest of it but I am here with you so I do get to ask you uh, the questions that we ask on every episode of the All Train podcast so here's the first one how do you face change when I have a lot of change in my life I've had a lot of change mm. in my life and I generally face it head on I've been aware of I guess professionally I've been aware of change management for a long time and I've been aware of how many interesting life choices people make in trying to avoid change mm. um, so I've, I've tried not to be that um, and I've tried to, uh, I, I don't really have that much anxiety around change because there's been so much change, but I've tried to, when I feel those feelings, when I become aware that those feelings are rising, mm. to just nip it in the bud and mm. deal with the change that is needed. Um, so I, I, I face it quite directly, mm. I would say. Um, I face it on big things. Mm. I've had a lot of big things in my life. Um, between being a foster carer, mm. I had the pleasure of um, supporting 15 young people. And each time your household changes mm. and each time a young person or siblings come into your life, you are getting to know them off with half of the young people, mm. their families mm. and their cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and with them comes a whirlwind. Mm. <laughs> um, the longer the placement, the different types of whirlwinds come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm sure you can appreciate some of this. Um, and you just have to adapt and adjust. Mm. Um, you, you just have to. Um, lots of changes in my family. Mm. Um, I was married. I'm now not. Lived wherever I lived. Moved to here. There, there's. If you want to get on with living life <laughs> and you want to, for me, and you want to try and my checker particularly during covid has been keeping my health and well-being as sound as possible mm-hmm. i have to accept that the world is what's the vuca volatile uncertain mm. uh, there's there's nothing there's i can't stop that change mm. and i also think working with young people you get to see with young people that they just do change they don't have a choice their bodies are changing their development is changing they each year they change school mm-hmm. for different year groups mm. They have that big change from primary to secondary. Mm. For many of the young people I've fostered, they've been to four, five, six schools. My previous foster daughter, who I consider to be my daughter, I was her eighth foster carer. She came to me when she was 14. Mm. Um, It's a lot of change. And so I look at that and working so much with young people, even in my job now, Mm. I I oversee youth participation as part of my role. Mm. 
they do will change all the time. Mm. I live in a very transient community that is being um, regenerated or gentrified, whichever one you you, you want to place it. There's a lot of change in those mm. communities. My neighbours have changed mm. multiple times since I've been here. Mm. So how I face change, yeah, head on, head on. I'm not I'm not worried about change. I'm comfortable with change. I it's not something that I want. It's not something that I seek, but it's something that is a reality in my life. Mm. So in terms of your, you know, people often talk about their kind of their, you know, their natural instinct, that thing within us. And for you, you said it's not something you seek. So if you had a choice, would life change less or? Yes. Okay. So you, you, yes. you like that kind of uh, stable things to be the same. That, that would be your sort of natural instinct. Change is tiring. Mm. So I've been fortunate enough to have some consistency consistencies in my life. My mm. main one being Jesus. So mm. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15. And so for a long time, that was a consistency in my life. And with that one church, one, mm. one faith mm. space, mm. and with that a community, which mm. had a lot of change, mm. but also had a lot of consistency. Yeah. The physical place was consistent. Yeah. Yeah. The, that invite that Woodgreen has changed so much mm. over time that the, the area has changed. Um, doing youth ministry in that space means that, and I live still within the same borough, it means that I've seen uh, a generation of young people or a couple of generations of young people grow up, mm. start having children. Mm. I would say two thirds of them no longer live in the area because mm. they cannot afford to, mm. but many of their parents still do. Yeah. So there's some consistencies yeah. with some of that. Yeah. But it's a lot of change and change is wearing on the mind, it's yeah. wearing on, on the body. And I choose because I live in London to keep up with that change. But I, I think often increasingly about if I moved away or if I went somewhere for three to five years, mm. it's very unlikely that I would want to move back to this space because it is so much change yeah. all the time. And and a lot of it, a lot of it you can I can choose to have a positive mindset yes. and be see the positive, but yes. a lot of it isn't yeah a lot of it is the breaking down of communities of families of culture yeah um we don't retain the good things about our cultures yeah. we often assimilate and we lose those good things yeah. um so within my jamaican culture uh we celebrate a lot well because of COVID and because of other life mm. issues i'm not as connected to my family anymore mm. so that celebration part has gone mm. but you do the functional things mm. and the functional things are tiring <laughs> you know yes. if, you, if your mind is always about cleaning your house yeah. which is how my life feels sometimes yeah that's exhausting yeah but the other bits that are consistent you know developing the practice of of having a, a daily quiet time yeah. developing the practice of for my health and well-being i will go outside yeah. and get 20 minutes fresh air yeah. those consistent things help us to help me to face change yeah but I would much rather live, I think, in a in a quieter space where there is less change mm. in theory. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, theory, yeah. Because my life is about people, right? Yeah, so yeah. I can't control yeah. others. So I might choose to stay yeah. in one, <laughs> one place, but they might not. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Krish uh, Kandaya was on the podcast earlier this series, and I was fascinated in talking to him about the idea of how being a foster carer so often is about preparing 
the child you're caring for for the next change whether that's a whether that's a transition into a permanent placement or whether that's a transition into adulthood how do you help prepare the the young people and the children that you've cared for how do you help prepare them for change so every young person is different i'm a firm believer as a as a good old-fashioned youth worker Mm -hmm. that we uh adolescence is just that transition from childhood to adulthood so Mm -hmm. i do teenagers Mm -hmm. um my youngest has been nine because he was the, the brother of a, of a 12 year old. Um, but I'm, I mostly do 13 to 17. And my young person who's just left is, is, is nearly 20. Um, so there's a part of, of that journey that is physically about the, the physical changes. Mm-hmm. It's about helping them to deal with the trauma that they've experienced. So you're thinking about life mm-hmm. story work, you're thinking about um therapies that are going to be helpful for them you're thinking about their I'm thinking about and my agency like a family fostering who are amazing and they are really good at helping to understand trauma and brain development so you're always thinking about those things and I'm always thinking for this particular individual young person or or siblings if the case may be Mm. what has their journey so far Mm been that I need to support them with right now to help them to move forward mm-hmm. so I'm thinking about things like the repetitive scripts that have been in their family and how I can disrupt the negative ones I'm thinking of always thinking about education employment and training and trying to help that young person to think about what kind of dream they have what kind of aspiration they have mm-hmm. and if they don't have any because they've you know been focused on survival and keeping safe then what can I expose them to who can I yes. expose them yeah. to um so always, always those things. You're trying to think as holistically as possible, um, knowing that whatever I do, I'm trying to uh, catch up things that I will never catch up because that trauma is disruptive. Even if they are put into care just because they've had separation from their family and, and none of mine have been that case, mm. that disruption is not a natural disruption and causes so much trauma. Um, when it's then compacted by all various types of abuse and neglect and, and bereavements and loss and, and separation and all of that stuff, I'm thinking a mixture of how can I prepare them for the future, but also how can I try to repair some of the things that have gone on? And some of those things are practical tasks. A lot of those things are practical tasks, cognitive assessments, mental health assessments, all of those things. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking, how can I make sure that I'm praying into this young person? Because there's only so much that me and my humanness can do for and with this person. And how can I love this person in spite the behaviors that they are uh, manifesting because they are just behaviors and they are behaviors that are symptoms of something, but those symptoms and behaviors can be incredibly jarring and incredibly exhausting. so how can I make sure that I'm, you know, practicing my beliefs around forgiveness and around love that endures love that is uh, sees people as they are rather than what they do yes. love that um is going to go that extra mile yeah make sure that person understands that my love comes from a deeper place and yes. that's why i'm able to love you is because the god who first loved me in my imperfections is the same god who mm. first loved you mm. what a beautiful answer the, these questions always link. I say it every episode. Anyone who listens to every episode will be like, he says this every time. But I think particularly in what you've just said, because question two is how do we move through suffering? So I guess I guess two questions. How do you move through suffering? And how has what you've learned helped you help those young people move through their real trauma and suffering as well? 
So how do I move through suffering? I mean, that that's a, uh, uh, yeah, that's a complex question. And it's a complex question for me because I have experienced things that are, that that is suffering and I didn't really realize that mm. I was. So I don't know, I got into my thirties and started to look at a few things that really weren't okay mm. um, from my childhood and trying to unpack that and make sense of that and try to work out what does that mean for me? What does that mean as a Christian? What does it mean to forgive? I, I looked a lot at South Africa and the truth and reconciliation stuff and got really twisted around with all of that mm. stuff. What does it mean to forgive somebody who isn't necessarily sorry for the harm that they've caused and the harm as an adult that they've caused a child that they've caused me what what does what does that mean what do I do with all of that stuff mm. uh, and and really starting to look at what is my sitting in my suffering what is that doing to me in terms of robbing me of life right now and robbing me of joy right now mm -hmm. and I do there's a great book I can't remember the author but it's called the body keeps the score oh yes and reading that and really starting to understand if you don't get past this suffering if you don't find a way to resolve some of these things or park some of these things mm -hmm. it's almost like a cancer for many it is a cancer mm -hmm. that just continues to eat you alive mm -hmm. and I used to think about some of the older people that I knew um particularly when I was younger who were in their 80s and their 90s and you know quite miserable and quite bitter and, mm. and all of those things and didn't pay too much attention to it then mm. but did in my 30s started thinking there's a reason why people get to that point and I don't want to be that yeah so languishing in my suffering that I'm privileged in some ways because I don't have to continue to live have that lived experience right now yes which many people do and that's very very different yes. how do I what do I do with this? Mm. And I didn't know the answer. So mm. for me, that's been a mixture of prayer. Mm. That's been a mixture of talking to really good friends. Mm. That's been a mixture of therapy. Mm. That's been a mixture of just trying to give it the space and the time it needs to really get my head around this. No tripe answers around, um, you know, just forgiving and, 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 and forgetting all the nonsense crap that we're told when we're, that we're younger. It's a nonsense. It, it matters it matters a lot but to not face it it's the same as facing change to not face it doesn't mm -hmm. make it go away mm -hmm. doesn't make it any less impactful in fact mm -hmm. maybe it makes it more problematic because you have to shut bits of yourself down and that's what I had done I had yeah. shut down bits of me because it was easier to do that because I didn't understand the damage that had been done and the yeah. damage that was still happening yeah so for now, for the last couple of years, how I face it is, uh, and I think uh, minus the busyness of my life, COVID mm. has given me more space mm. to really give it time, mm. to um, spend time reflecting. Mm. I, I practice mindfulness. Mm. Um, I really got into yoga mm. to try and be more in my body mm. and to be more present. Mm. Um, I've really paid attention increasingly to my health and well-being. Mm. Um, and seeing an osteopath to try and deal with some of the, I have fibromyalgia, which I do believe has been caused by some of that yeah. um, childhood um, uh, uh, issues. Um, so really trying to, to tune myself to that. I read mm. a lot. Mm. So when I feel like there's something that I don't understand, I will 
get recommendations for yeah. things and I will read them. Some of them are absolute nonsense, guys. We need to really pay attention to what we're reading. Just because someone's written it doesn't make it good. Sometimes it can be incredibly harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not doing it by myself is yeah. the biggest thing. Whether I do that with loved ones, whether I do that with God, whether I journal and write things down, mm. not allowing things to fester inside mm. my head. For my young people that I've worked with, um, it has been a different journey for each and every one of them mm. uh, and, and will remain so. And their lives after care, most of my young people have aged out into adulthood mm. um, from me or they have um, found a kingship, a family placement and it's taken time for the local authority to, mm. to set that up. But all of those are new transitions mm. and they never replace the uh, desire to be loved by their parents mm-hmm. um, and most of the young people the 15 they deeply miss that connection with their parents including yeah. those who had bereavements they yeah. they they deeply miss and I, I don't think we all get I've had three young people with bereavements when when a when a child only has their parent and their parent goes there's no fallback plan uh, it's the care system yeah. and they can often bounce around in care yeah. and each new placement is new smells yeah. new cultures yeah. new ways of doing things yeah. new food on the table yeah. will i be safe tonight yeah. when will this person no longer want me like my parents didn't want me when will i be rejected yeah. what's wrong with me i'm bad i yeah. did this yeah. i caused this i told and now this has happened and yeah new schools new friends it, it, it just goes on and on and on and living in that constant flight or fright mode as a mm. child or young person and the adrenaline that they feel all the time mm-hmm. and what's happening in their brain for so many of them they can't learn mm. they are thinking about basic for the young people that i have fostered mm-hmm. they're thinking about basic survival mm-hmm. they are not thinking about gccs no. and so they age out of care and the world in england not the whole world but in england generally is sympathetic to children small children mm-hmm. in care not so much teenagers we tend to 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 have mixed reactions Mm. to that but for children we we care and when they're adults and they're still working this stuff out because things have been disrupted we no longer care we just see that young person who or that adult who is problematic behaviors Mm. or is aggressive Mm. or is involved in crime Mm. or is allowing themselves to be in an abusive relationship and a whole lot of other crap that we espouse when we don't actually know what we're talking about and for some of us we have lived experience but we still perpetuate what the world says and mm-hmm. we victim mm-hmm. um, and so for for me with young people and the longer they stay with me the longer I have opportunity to do this is really trying to help them to understand what's going on for them mm-hmm. that things are different for you and that's okay and if I can fight like for my last young person to give them the extra support so she I was able to get an educational health care plan for her mm-hmm. to give her that extra time mm-hmm. to get education mm-hmm. at 16 she came out of school with nothing She's now 19 and she has her level one, level two, level three. She has maths and English GCSE. She needed that extra time because when she was at school, 14, 15, she was thinking, well, when's Sanjay going to reject me? Seven other foster carers have rejected me. So when's Sanjay going to do that? That was her. Right. Um, And and lots of things that we take for granted. I learned in my family without realising that I learned to wash mm. i learned to brush my teeth mm-hmm. i learned what this feeling in my stomach was was hunger mm-hmm. i learned all these things mm-hmm. for some of them they haven't learned any of that stuff 
And so they're reacting to things that we have no idea of what they're reacting to. Yeah. And I know that lots of people have difficulties. I know that. Mm. And, but sometimes I think we don't all know that. Like my background is heavily within violence against women and girls. Mm. And I don't think we really get how many people are daily living with domestic abuse and they need to function at work. They mm -hmm. need to function as a mother. They mm -hmm. need to function with all of their care and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. It is not an easy task. And that's for adults, but mm -hmm. for young people, their brains are not developed. They don't understand what they're thinking and feeling. They make really, as a youth worker, interesting and amusing sometimes <laughs> life choices. <laughs> it's just like, why would you do that? Uh, yeah. And then you have to deal with the fallout of that. And for my yeah. young people, yeah. that fallout involves the police, yeah. that fallout involves um, sometimes hospital admission. Yeah that you know it, it involves self-harming and yeah. suicide attempts and yeah. drugs and alcohol and county lines and all of yeah. that stuff but at the center of that is a human being yeah. who is crying out to be loved yeah and so i get the privilege to join them on that journey yeah. and tuck them into bed most of them even at 18 19 still yeah. tuck them into bed yeah and they go to bed safe that night yeah and they go to bed loved that night. Yeah. And for that moment, that suffering and that difficulty is lowered. Not gone. Yes. But lowered. Oh, Sanjay, I mean, I could talk to you about every sentence you just said, because uh, so much of it, I just want to go, tell me loads more. But, but I, I guess for me, the, the thing I want to just really hone in on is that how do we, as people, how do we learn to help others through their suffering when we just don't understand it what can we do to educate ourselves to is is it a posture thing is it a mindset thing or, or are there other practical things we can do sure so i i think the first thing that comes to mind i'm really bad with names uh, there's a dude a theologian um and i when i studied uh, theology and politics i can always remember him saying seek first to understand before you try to understand try to be understood seek mm. first to understand before you try to be understood Wonderful. and that has stayed with me for well over a decade oh, yeah um, and it always will I, yeah. I did some unconscious bias training at work last week and people were talking about whatever they were talking about and everybody in the saw senior leaders and everybody in the training was white other than myself mm. and so the director of hr said how, how do you see this sanjay and i said it remains simple for me. Seek first to understand before you try to be understood. Mm. And it's a mantra that has done me really well in my life. Mm. It won't matter how many hundreds of young people I've worked with, which I have worked with mm. hundreds of young people. It won't matter how diverse my community is. Mm. Um, it won't matter how many young people I foster. Each person's lived experience is their own and I won't understand. And I sometimes might be able to relate more to one than another mm. but i will never know what it feels like to be them and so i can and and even if you had five children who had the same or similar experiences mm -hmm. their reactions to things mm -hmm. would be different mm -hmm. would be theirs based mm -hmm. on their everything that's different mm -hmm. their brain mm -hmm. their, their their you know whether they're the middle child mm -hmm. all of these things mm -hmm. play out and so to judge their actions mm. without trying to understand doesn't change their action, mm. doesn't help you to get on, doesn't lead to a better outcome. You might feel good because you told that person whatever it is that you told them because you needed to put your mouth on it. It doesn't change the outcome that we all desire. 
And I, and I believe that for the young people that I've worked with, they want to be understood. They want to be loved. Sometimes, yes, they want to be angry. And you know what? There's a whole load of young people that have every right to be angry and every right to be upset. Yeah. But they also need to learn how to live within a society where it's not just them mm. and that their actions have consequences. And those consequences aren't just about getting in trouble. Those consequences are about other people judging them or their ability to make friends or their ability to be safe, mm. even if they you know, get into it with the wrong person. Yeah. So for me, if I can spend a little bit more time trying to understand where they're coming from, I might be able to change my approach to better, uh, for them to better understand my intentions. And the last thing would be empathy. I just need to empathize. Mm. That's what I got. That's what I get get every day Mm. (laughs) from Jesus. Mm. It's what I got from my youth workers, Hayley and Chris, when I was a, a young person. It's what I got from my church i was a very different adult (laughs) a very different young person uh in particularly in the salvation army Mm. and i was well received Mm. and i meet many people in life in my job now who are not well received and not being well received doesn't help somebody to want to do the change that they need to do that doesn't people need that sense of belonging I, i loved what you said about being received i i have experienced that in my life I would say very much in recent years of understanding the difference with being put up with and being received as a gift. Uh, and yeah. and again, I think that's really important to separate that from what you can do, what your gifts are, what your skills are, what you bring to Sunday morning at church, what you bring to the youth yeah. group, why you're helpful, why you're useful. Yeah. The difference of yeah. being genuinely received as a gift because of who you are. Uh, I yeah. can't even tell you what wonders that does for your soul. Like, I mean, yeah. you you know, right? It just is so yeah. different yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. For, for all of us, whether we have gone through the care system, whether we have gone through uh, prison, whether we've made huge mistakes, whatever the, whatever the situation, being received as a gift changes yeah. everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can remember, uh, particularly uh, as a youth worker, trying to work out what does it mean to accept somebody rather than to tolerate them? Because we're often encouraged to tolerate. Mm-hmm. Aren't we? Just, or, or, or we, and sometimes we even use the word tolerant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not about that. I'm accepted. I'm loved yeah. and I'm accepted. Yeah. And when I'm loved and I'm accepted, I feel safe. Yes. And when I feel safe, I can start to do the work of change yes. that we should all be doing all of the time. Yes. Ah, oh, that is so important and and allows us to move through suffering rather than cause more suffering because like you say when we tolerate someone we're actually not really helping them flourish be who they are be who they're made to be any of those things so wonderful uh, let's make another choice. Uh, so we've got a, we've got a, we've got to have a playlist. Uh, and I always say it's in case things get a bit boring. But your lineup is excellent. So let's just have a playlist anyway. What would be in your ears when we're on this walk? Uh, so at the moment, I mean, it's generally gospel or jazz. At the moment, my gospel choices are—I'm so bad with name. Anthony Walker, is it? Okay. Um, therapy. Okay. He has one particular song, um, uh, "Worthy," which is. I mean, musically, it's amazing. <laughs> it's one of the things about mm-hmm. this book that I love. When, when, when it's good music, it's mm. good music. But the words are so on point mm. in terms of just who God is and yeah. who I am in him. Yeah. 
Um, and there are difficult days. So particularly within my job as COVID lead and trying to do three lockdowns with a complex need adult mm. by myself mm. with a job that can often be insane hours. Mm. <laughs> and the COVID space within my job just means that it's chaos every day. Every, every like you can have three uh, decisions that are made that are changed within the COVID space daily. Yeah. It was just hot chaos and mess. And before yeah. I started this job, I was working for advanced charities, their head of all services. Um, and my director um, got COVID and was asked. So it was just me for five West London boroughs wow. with solutions diminished overnight um, and trying to work from home and not allow my vulnerable foster adult foster daughter to hear my conversations, which is impossible mm-hmm. whilst trying to support her with her college work. And so this song going out mm. into Tottenham Marshes mm. with it in my ears mm. just grounded me and elevated me and took me to a new space mm. and a new time mm. that was peace mm. and reminding myself of who I am in him. Mm. Um, the other one would be Sunday service music. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keanu yes. West, I, I'm a, a good example of somebody in suffering and difficulties. Mm. But what he... What he and his colleagues are doing mm. with that Sunday service, and there's one particular song, um, "Every Hour," I think it's called. Yes, I listen to that on repeat Don't, I, over and over again. Honestly, <laughs> I, I can't even tell you. I, I, so I have it in my. I have a. I go swim. I try to swim three times a week for for my own health and well being, um, in every way. Uh, and there's and, and I have a little. Um, I got it years ago, but I have this little um, MP3 player that works underwater, and so I have this brilliant thing. And there's one on there. There's a song on there called "Week," and yes, and yes. It, not only is it yes. just amazing, <laughs> not only does it just make me like really look like a numpty when I'm swimming because I'm sure I'm swimming and also trying to like move. At the, anyway, it's ridiculous. But but there's a there's a it, there's something about that song that just and again that I mean that the whole Sunday service album I I have found myself doing desiring like coming to my mind the oddest thing so one of them is uh there's a, a Swedish gospel group called Vasa Gospel mm. that was quite significant mm. in our love days mm. like I don't know it must be 20 years ago yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's insane. yeah yeah and in the middle of about November, I think it was, when we got, went into the second lockdown, that came to my mind out yeah. of nowhere. I hadn't right. listened to it probably for yeah. 15 years plus yeah. at that point. And the song that I had on repeat, I get into that, it was very much my personality, was um, the album At the Master's Feet, um, I Will Abide. Mm. And there's a level, you used the word transcendent, which mm. is what made me think, there's a level of, transcend transcending within that song mm. as the music builds and the complexity of the music builds but the words are incredibly simple mm. i will abide mm. at the master's feet i will abide mm. and it's what makes the chaos okay you know when i'm dealing with a young person who is in my home who is uh you know self-harming prolifically suicidal no one will help mm. you blaming covid mm. like they just give you the tip box answers of call them mm. complex mental health team mm. or whatever mm. and i'm dealing with work that i can't switch off from so sorry my phone's ringing right. um and i'm dealing with 
staff members who are literally falling over because they're in, you know, they're young adults in shared accommodation, mm. working in domestic abuse. So mm. they're in their bedroom, in their safe space, mm. dealing with the most disgusting, grimy calls, mm. and they're getting sick and they're getting unwell. Mm. And I'm thinking, I've got no support. All I can do is call these people and stay online forever to try and raise this or escalate mm. this. Going to Tottenham Marshes and listening to that song, <laughs> it changes everything. And in that moment, yeah. it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes. Being back at the feet of Jesus, everything is calm. Mm. And it's not about me. And it's mm. not about what I can or can't do. Mm. It's about reminding myself to give over to him. And mm-hmm. in my lowest and most tiredest points, particularly in the last five years, going back to how do I... Uh, deal with change and, and how mm. do I deal with suffering mm. um, learning once again that I have to get back to the place of overflow yeah. when I serve out of my overflow yeah. it's a joy yeah. and I don't have to I, I want to listen to gospel mm-hmm. music but I don't have to yes it's my everyday rhythm and pace of life yes but when I don't do that and yeah. I'm emptying myself yeah. and I can feel it within my body yeah. I can feel it in my bone yeah I then need to come back to that water source yeah and that water source is Jesus, but it's also other things. It's yeah. healthy food. Yeah. It's exercise. Yeah. It's difficult to have a good laugh with friends. Yeah. And I'm a tactile person. Yeah, I like to touch and feel yeah. people. But, you know, the discipline to set up a Zoom call yeah. on a Friday night yeah. and have at 8 p.m. Yeah. So I will have some my time, not yeah. just time for my daughter. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. I'm reminded of those practices when I listen to songs yeah. like that. Well, I mean, again, right into the next question. How do you receive joy? So one of the answers, obviously, is gospel music. I mean, we just talked, I mean, in fact, if anything, you just gave us the answers. Gospel music is one. Uh, yeah. We know that walking, Taught the Marshes is another. We yeah, know, it and, is. And we know that setting up that Friday night Zoom. I mean, yeah. those are your joy <laughs> places, right? I mean, I think I still have to ask they, the they question. Are. I think contractually, we still yeah. have to talk about it for the podcast. But I mean, you sort of just answered <laughs> the question, Sanjay. Uh, but, but that's it, right? That is the... Absolutely be the answers. Yeah. Instead of Zoom though, it would be to be in person. Yeah. I, I we're in this phase too, and I want to be safe because people losing their life yeah. or having long COVID is horrendous oh, for, yeah. for every reason. Yeah. Um and in my job I get a real deep understanding of, of what it's doing for the economy and the types of people who've been on one hour contracts and, and what mm-hmm. this really means to their life and people who've never experienced poverty and, and don't can't live on on welfare benefits and all of that stuff i want to be safe Mm. but this weather and being able to be outdoors with friends is everything and just i i went glamping my first ever glamping i'm a camper ex-girl guide love that stuff um but i went glamping for the first time last weekend okay and uh, a group of us four of us lying on a blanket allergic to grass lying on a blanket in a field for about four hours watching the clouds talking I couldn't tell you what we were talking about. Absolute heaven. Yeah. Absolute heaven. Complete joy. Just belly laughter. Complete joy. And my last one would be traveling. Oh. I really miss travel. I love to travel. Love to travel. And we'll do it again. Probably a little bit more ethically without planes. Um, But yeah, love, love traveling. Love meeting new people. Love experiencing new culture. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sanjay, one more question, one more choice. So uh, what's 
in our snack bag on this walk. I should let you know, I don't tend to bring one. I only bring one if the snacks that you're about to say are terrible. So Selena, and Selena, if you listened to last episode, Selena and I, we got into this. We've continued it on Twitter because I'm not, I don't want, you know, spoilers, but her snacks were not snacks, all right? that There's nourishment and there's snacking. And I'm going to say, if you're bringing me nourishment, I'm bringing my own snack bag. So no pressure. I'm, I'm going to disappoint. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no, come on. So my my water bottle is in my snack bag yep. and dried mango is in my snack bag. Okay. I'm loving dried mango right now. I I, I don't mind a dried mango. I just that's fine. Nothing not that's it. No, <laughs> oh, that's it. That's the snack bag, is it? That's the snack bag. I'm six minutes away from my house. So I don't need to have a meal. And on Tottenham Marshes is a lovely little um locally run cafe. So if I needed to, I could just popping there so yeah i've got water and dried mango uh just a note to the people at thq who uh you know have commissioned this podcast and listen regularly uh for next season can we make sure before we invite people on we get the answer to the snack bag question i think we should choose our guests based on the snack bag i like dried mango as much as the next man but i'm just saying you know there's been a few now we're back to back on a few where i've had to go I'm going to have to borrow one of my kids' snack bags. And I'm afraid mango and water uh, is not... Is dried not mango. Dried mango. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, you're hardly... I mean, all you've done there is make it drier. I need more water. I mean, that's... <laughs> you haven't made that better by making that clarification. Just so you know, Sanjay, that hasn't done anything for it. It's fine. We'll we'll move on. We'll move on to our final question. Uh, now, listen, the final question is this. How do we mature in service? Sanjay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the truth. We, we worked together at Roots. We worked together in the Love Days. We did all those things. I think I would have to say, and we always had great fun. We always laughed a lot. We always, but I would say your maturity always stood out to me anyway. I always felt like I was in the presence of someone who was mature and had wisdom and all of those things. But it also sounds like in the 10 years since we've met, you have learned a lot about yourself and there's been a lot of big changes in your life so how would you say you have matured and how do you mature in serving and in service so in my 20s I was very I I had the privilege of being a young person who had a a, a youth workers who um, grounded us in good practices Mm. around having quiet times Mm. and understanding the bible and in the Salvation Army culture particularly a lot of our activities were faith-based. And so there were lots of things built in those times that were amazing foundations that I didn't even understand were foundations. Mm. And then becoming a youth pastor for for six years, I then had the privilege of doing that for and with many uh, young people Mm. uh, and young people within my cultural context of Haringey, which majority of them, their parents were not of faith and or didn't go to any kind of church Mm. and some who came from other faith traditions. So you really are trying to, you're not making any assumptions. You really are trying to get all of that that info in there. I was also cell coordinator for um, my Salvation Army Church for a couple of years. And what all of that did, and then went on to do a master's in theology and politics. What all of that did was give me uh, focused time to really drench myself saturate myself in the word of god Mm. and i'm so privileged and so humbled by that Mm. because at points later on life got really tough Mm. and so it means that i in tough times my default position is i've missed my quiet time Mm. there are routines and practices that are just 
part of my DNA that when I don't do them, I miss them. Mm. I feel bereft of them. Mm. I feel empty. I feel mm. I have to, like th- that habit that has been formed is a good habit mm-hmm. for when life got really, really tough. And yeah. it's really simple for everybody, particularly for young people. Life gets tough. Mm-hmm. Even if you live a really privileged life the people that you love as you get older one by one will move away will pass away mm-hmm. all of those things will be things that we all have to deal with mm-hmm. and for many others of us it's so much more complicated than that and so what I can remember going to Urban Youth Workers Institute I was a youth worker in the Salvation Army and the Salvation Army paid for me to go to an American conference because we didn't have the kind of urban youth work here that they did there mm-hmm. and I can remember doing Um, sessions around how to stay in youth ministry for the long haul and I remember thinking this I'm going to do this but this isn't relevant because why would you ever not want to do this for the rest of your life because you're you're young and you're naive and Mm. you just think Mm. these all of those things have become pillars for my life Mm. now and they will take me into my into the later parts of of Mm. my life my life could never be the same could never be, I don't want it to be the same, could never be as fulfilling as it was in and with Jesus. Mm. It is as simple as that. So right now I don't belong to a a local church and there's parts of that that I miss deeply. Mm. I think being so involved in youth ministry, so involved in ministry full stop, Mm. um, it it became work. It became um, legalistic and bureaucratic Mm. and it took away from the faith journey. Mm. But once you've had a certain level of involvement in church, mm. it's very difficult to switch your brain off from seeing those other things that could be different, that could enable people very, very simply keep it really basic to be introduced to Jesus, mm. to learn how to live, to, to understand how to live as a Christian, to live trying to be like Christ. Mm. Um, and there's so many things that I had when I was younger that so many churches no longer have for their young people yeah. that gave me so much yeah. that I needed yeah and so I'm now as an adult a later adult trying to work out how do I do that I'm privileged the majority of my friends are Christian mm. there are certain practices that we do that COVID is it disrupted a lot but there's certain things that we do like we always do an Easter celebration with Easter egg hunts and mm. Easter story the real story of Jesus mm. for all of our network mm. we just do that for the sake of doing mm. that we've planned our homes to all be in the same physical location mm. we've planned our homes to be big enough to mm. gather each other there mm. are certain things that we just benefit from and I'm like ah oh, I do those things because of my formation yeah how were these young people how yeah. would my foster children know yeah. to do these yeah. things without yeah. that input? yeah that's one part of it the second part of it in terms of doing it for the long haul is purpose Mm. nothing else makes sense to Mm. me every job that I choose whether it's in a faith-based organization or not is about purpose Mm -hmm. and about me living my truth Mm. so I can go to Kensington and Chelsea or I can go to Tower Hamlets which was the poorest part of the UK Mm. which is ironic and ridiculous because it's in London the Canary Wharf is in the middle of it yeah I can work for Advance Against Women and Girls Charity. I've worked for Solace in Advance because of my purpose. Yeah. And that comes from my root. It's from, it's from the Bible, but it is specifically within the Salvation Army context mm. of serving, serving suffering humanity. Mm. I get my reason for being from my faith. Yeah. And I yeah. know who I am in terms of my identity. Yeah. Uh, Israel Houghton's song, I Know Who I Am, yeah. is 
he knows who I am. Yeah. He knows me by name. Yeah. Is my everything. Yeah. And I don't ever want to step to, doesn't matter whether it's COVID or whether I'm not in a church for a season. I am part of the church. Yeah. I am part of the one church. Yeah. And yeah. I need to live out my purpose. Yeah. And I can only do that. Uh, I can, I, I don't feel I can live life any other way. Yeah. And when I do, like, it's like, um, it's like being too far away from the fire and you start feeling cold. Mm. I don't, mm. I, I, I can't have that. Yeah. And so I gravitate right back to that. And yeah. As I get closer to that, I start to feel more like me. Yeah. And yeah. I need to feel like me. I need to, yeah. I need to be me. Wow, so, so much. I, 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 I love, do you know what I was thinking about as you were speaking? I love that over the course of this episode, we've, We've talked about therapy, reading, yoga, gospel music, going for a walk, exercise, healthy eating and your dried mango, all of that stuff. We've talked about all of those <laughs> things. Um, but but throughout all of it, you can feel, Rob Bell calls it the deep bass note, the resonance yes. sound of that faith in Jesus that resonates yes. in your life. And and what I what I think is particularly powerful about what you just said is that even in this moment when you are not part of a local church you recognize that actually being closer to that flame being closer to that source your faith in Jesus that is the thing that that you still continually gravitate to and and I think for so many people um, one of the big dangers and this year has has really helped I think uh, help us get over this uh, slight obsession we have for so many people the thing about attendance being part of something on a Sunday, being there in that place, being together almost becomes, um, it can almost become a, a distraction because as long as we do that, we don't need to worry about any of the other stuff. And actually, I think this year has helped people understand and realize what it is. What have you missed about church? Because actually, it might be that the things you do, the things you're part of, the thing that might not be the thing you missed. It might be those people those people I always talk to, and it happens to be on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, that's fine. But actually, it might not be the thing we always thought it was. And and that, that I love that idea of the further away you get from the fire, the colder it gets. And, and what are those foundational, what are those fire things? I think is a great question for people to be asking, particularly as in this moment, as we sort of, as it looks like, as it feels like we might be returning, we might be going into something that allows us to gather and all those things again. I think really asking the question, what are those fire things? What are those things that that warm us, that make us feel, well, like you just said it better than I ever could, that make you feel like you, that make me feel like me. I think that's wonderful. And it's absolutely about, thank you, it's absolutely about seasons. So I can mm. remember the fire analogy was very different for me not so long ago, mm. where it was I wanted to separate from the fire uh, so that I could start my, be part of, the Lord using me to start my own fires mm. elsewhere. Mm. But this season, it's not about that for me. Mm. It is about getting closer to that existing fire mm. and being part of mm. that fire, being 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 held, mm. being connected, being yeah. Uh, yeah, being part of the family, being yeah. really clear yeah. about what that easier needs to look like for now, yeah. and what my part in it is probably just to be. It's just to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Sanjay, it's been an absolute pleasure, um, not just to talk to you for this podcast, but to, to reconnect after, it surely can't be 10 years. We're just not old enough. But however long it's been, but to, but to reconnect. And 
but also for your answers. I want to say thank you for your honesty. I want to say thank you for sharing your experiences, but also some of that wisdom you've picked up in, in your work, in your faith journey, in, in your life as a foster carer. I, I just think there's so much there for people to take on board and to think about. But, but most of all, thank you for sharing your story with us because it has been uh, just a massive privilege to hear you. Thank you, Matt. Well, another massive thank you to Sanjay for joining us here on the Altering Podcast. Another jam-packed episode, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, so much wisdom and insight, and it's just so wonderful to hear how different people's experiences then relate to the four questions. We ask the same four questions every time, but my goodness, do we always get different answers. Be sure to go back and have another listen, because I am sure, like me, you will pick up loads of things, different things, every time you hear that chat. That's it for this episode, but don't forget to share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. And you can also now access our brilliant sketch notes and small group questions that accompany each episode. Just search for the All Terrain Podcast or click the link in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain Podcast.